0: Joe Rogan recently had stand up comedian and podcaster Duncan Trussell on the Joe Rogan experience, and they actually read straight from the book of Revelation. And they talked about the future cashless society we are going towards, and even the mark of the beast. As we look to bring some of these thoughts captive that were brought out in the discussion
1: The Good Fight Radio Show.
0: Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a recent discussion on the Joe Rogan experience where you actually get to hear the book of Revelation read from, something I was never expecting to say. say. But to discuss this very important topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel.
1: Yeah, Chad, are you kidding, man? Are we in an alternate universe? Uh, You know, Joe Rogan talking about the Mark of the Beast. I mean, the most popular podcaster on the planet actually reading the book of Revelation chapter 13. Uh, The fact that he's doing that he has so many people tuning in and so many Christians tuning in saying, wow, look at Joe Rogan's reading the book of Revelation. We need to look at this and say, hey, what's going on here and critique it because I think there's going to be a lot of eyes that are open when we take a closer look that we need to be, be beware. I mean pray for him but beware.
0: Now, praise God because one of the important things and that we're going to be doing on this show is not only discussing what the word of God says concerning all of these issues, but also just having some better discernment because a lot of people are saying a lot of weird things concerning not only this interview, but a number of of different people whenever they talk about the Bible, whenever they just simply mention God, people get really excited, specifically Christians get really excited, and I think it's important that we do have some discernment. But before we get into this clip that we're going to be playing of Joe Rogan, which I'm still baffled to be saying it, of Joe Rogan actually reading from the book of Revelation on his show... One thing I do want to do is make sure that you guys subscribe to the Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel to make sure that you are getting all the updates. Click that little bell and make sure you are getting the new videos when they come out. We try to come out with a couple every single week, as well as if you're listening via podcast, make sure to leave a five-star review. That just helps us to get up there so more and more people hear the message. And in the clip that we are about to play... What they are going to be talking about, what this leads into is the idea of becoming a cashless society and some of the concerns that they have about becoming a cashless society. And it's really interesting, especially when we look at Duncan Trussell's background, growing up Episcopalian, that he immediately says, this is what it looks like. And, and just check this clip out.
2: Like one day in the future, everything will be traceable.
0: That's right. And yeah. that's, you know,
3: this is where I get This is where being raised in Episcopalian, in the book of revelations, is going to, as a Christian, you're going to read it. This is where I get scared because it's too similar to the mark of the beast. It's too similar to exactly what it says. You won't be able to trade. You won't be able to do anything unless you have the mark, unless
2: you bear the mark. So what is that, 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 in that term, in the, how is that, how is the mark of the beast described in the Bible? We should read it. Cause I think you're onto
3: something. We're now officially podcasting. This is it. We're opening up the book of revelations.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're in now.
3: Uh, yeah. The mark of the beast. It's like, you can't do anything. You can't sell. You can't, if you don't take the mark, you're f-ed. I mean, that's, that's that. Like if you remove the ability to trade currency in a private way.
2: Yeah. You now can, you, you are now controlled. You are now monitored. That's mm-hmm. like, or. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from the heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. And his number is 666.
0: So, Joe, when I hear that, first of all, what I'm seeing there, this requires wisdom. It does require wisdom. We're going to get into that later. But one thing I think that also requires wisdom is having that discernment, because it seems like, and we've watched, uh, both you and I have seen some people reacting to this that are Christian, and it seems like, whether it's Joe Rogan, whether it's, Jordan Peterson, whether it's this guy, Duncan Trussell, whoever it may be, it seems like every time something like this happens where it goes, look, they were talking about something that seems like truth, they must be a believer in Christ. Or, you know what they always say, they're just about to convert. You know, it, it just yeah, seems like real that's close so to becoming common. Christians.
1: Yeah, that's a real concern. We've got to be really concerned about that because there's a lot of really well-meaning believers. And, uh, you know, Christians, since I've been a believer for so many years now, uh, I've seen Christians through the years over and over again talk about famous rock stars and actresses, you know, actors and, you know, ball players and stuff. And man, they're about to become a Christian. And 99% of the time, it sadly, doesn't happen. But what happens is they start relating to them as almost as though they are Christians. Uh, and by the way, we, we pray that these folks would become Christians. We also have to keep in mind these folks with uh, microphones and, and, and filming and so forth. I always say test everything. Test. I always say test us. Bible says test everything and hold fast to that, which is good. So we got to test everything because uh, we do this rah, rah, rah. It was with Kanye West, right? And we said, okay, wait, we hope so. We hope. Now it's looking more and more like that, but we've got our reservations and bam, man. So we really encourage you guys to be careful with this because there's a lot of leading podcasters that are Christians that are saying, wow, I believe he's a Christian now or he's almost a Christian. And we have to have a discernment about this because, Chad, I was thinking about this. I was thinking... What if Simon the sorcerer, right, he's, he man, he's bewitching everybody and the gospel comes to town, right? He even gets baptized, you know, and he's claimed to be a Christian, but his heart wasn't in the right place. Peter said to him, You're, you and your money perish. But people could hear Simon the sorcerer bring Jesus into a sorcery and talk about Jesus and he could be quoting Jesus and scriptures. They'd say he's, he's a Christian now. And guess what? Simon the sorcerer, according to some of the church fathers, was really the first, Real Gnostic, you know, uh, which blended Christianity with, with the mystery religions of paganism. Uh, but he, if, if Simon source was today, he'd be talking about Jesus and he'd have a huge podcast going. And a lot of Christians would get sucked in because he knows he's after the Christians too. So is that their motivation here? Well, you know what? I'm going to let God judge what their exact motivation is. But we have to do is look at what they're actually teaching and compare it with Scripture. And we do pray. I mean, I prayed this morning for both Joe Rogan, uh, for Duncan. It's funny you mentioned... Peterson because we talked about doing a show on him as well uh, because of something that just went down. I prayed for him. And then we prayed as a group. By the way, just let you guys know before we just did this podcast, we all were praying together and actually praying for these gentlemen and those who are listening to him. That's our hearts. But our hearts are for you to know the truth and know Jesus and know his word. So I guess one of the concerns is the discernment. we're, We're a discernment ministry. God calls us to discernment. And discernment isn't just knowing the difference between good and evil. That's pretty obvious to a lot of people. Discernment is knowing the difference between good and, you know, almost good. Uh, Because, uh, and truth, and that which is almost truth. Because if you really have true truth, you know, almost truth is not really true. And almost good, Chad, is not good enough. And you got to be careful with some of these folks, man, who seem like they're almost into the truth. They're still leading you astray and down that broad road of destruction until they repent and turn to the Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And somebody almost saved is completely lost. Amen. And, you know, there's the old saying, you can't be half pregnant. You know? that's right. <laughs> it's either one or the other. And so we do pray for them. We want to see them come to Christ. And it, it is important for us to say, hey, wait a second. Let's, first of all, you know, let's calm the horses here. Let's make sure everything is, is lining up. And obviously... Amen. If you spend any time watching these clips, and I do encourage you, it is very dangerous to just be simply putting whatever into your earbuds and and just going to a run or a workout or whatever it may be or just walking around working. And this in your becomes
1: house, very dangerous, as they're going to see.
0: It's going to become very dangerous. And it is really dangerous, especially if you know enough about Joe Rogan and some of these other podcasters as well. You can go into that arena of psalm chapter one where you're sitting in the seat of scoffers mm-hmm. and mockers and so forth That's right and you're like man this is really rough because we've gone through multiple episodes we interviewed wesley huff on the subject as well when it comes to joe rogan and pushing some of these mushroom cults and psychedelics
1: which is going to come up in regard to the book of revelation in this discussion it's
0: certainly going to come up but it does give us a great time to kind of point out well, first of all so many people probably heard from revelation chapter 13 that have never read the, the Bible, have never looked at Scripture, and you have somebody who, I don't know, he's t- it looks like he's taking a token of something in there. He seems high as a kite, if I'm being honest. But if, if you look at this and you're seeing this guy talk about it, but at the very least, and by the way, the Episcopalian Church is so false, the Episcopalian Church is not part of the true body of Christ in terms of where they are today. And so... Growing up with that, even in that minuscule amount of truth, at some point he saw this. Wait a second. There's this cast of society. There's the book of Revelation. It points to this exact thing happening that is very interesting because there's actually a video that just went viral, Joe, this week that we've looked at, and it's actually a woman buying groceries. And while buying groceries, you'll notice what she actually uses to buy the groceries. Check this out.
2: Now, hopefully, but I'm about to pay for my groceries with my work. That's the coolest thing
0: ever. Now, it looks like this sort of thing, which imagine, just try to get into your heads, around ninety AD, probably right after ninety AD, you had someone writing this book down and saying that these things are happening in their right hand or their forehead. Every nation, in town. Every nation,
1: people, and tongue.
0: Every nation, people, cause everyone,
1: small, great, rich, poor, free bond, to be given a mark. you the right hand of the forehead, to take, and, you know, 666, six, six, on, on.
0: No, and you have a situation when you look at it that, look it, this is going to it's happen.
1: It's here. It's close, we're saying. It's close.
0: It's close. It's closer, very close. speeding, man. I mean, they're at a, gro- she's at a grocery store, Joe.
1: Whole Foods, by the way. Buying groceries with her hand. I Tom, mean. Tommy said, uh. Um, We were texting, getting ready for the show. We said, I was just at Whole Foods with the gal he's going to be marrying. Great, great gal. His fiance. His fiance. And and they're just uh, Whole Foods. And he said, yeah, they were going through a line. They didn't go through that line where they're just waving their right hand. They just need the 666 now to require it. you know."
0: It is absolutely wild, Joe, that this is where we're at with all of this. And so it is interesting to look at these things, and we're watching a show. We're watching, as, as you mentioned, the most popular podcast show. You could sit there and go, oh, well, why does this matter? It matters because we want to share the gospel. There are people that are lost, and there are millions of people, not a couple, not some. There are millions of people that will listen to this, that will hear this, and that will be hearing the book of Revelation. And before we even get into what they're about to talk about, Joe, I think it's important for people to understand it's important to talk about this because they have a jaded view and understanding of what the Word of God says. Joe Rogan has a very, very messed up view. We've we've talked about it in previous podcasts uh, with John Marco Allegro, somebody who is an embarrassment to scholarship when it comes to what he came up with in his etymological fallacies and so forth. But without talking about that and getting deep into the weeds there, it's important for us to discuss this because other people are going to hear this. That's right. And they may hear some truth nuggets, right? They Obviously, it's true. The book of Revelation is absolutely true. But they may hear those points while also having the problem of hearing that and also hearing some of the stuff that's going to come up as well following that reading. And so, Joe, when I see this, and, and before we play that next clip, actually, w- we should talk a little bit about this digital currency, what's going on right now, because even, I mean, even it seems like the rock stars here are crying out <laughs> for
1: yeah. what's going on in terms of what's <laughs> going on in the world. Yeah, amazing. Kind of interesting. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, just, uh, you know, world economic forum. I mean, we don't have time to get all that because we want to stay on this video. But guys, wake! we got to be awake to what's going on here, man. Uh, in the World Economic Forum, I mean, they are a lot of the top bankers and money movers in the world gathering together about how to reshape the world. And, and World Economic Forum, I think it was in uh, 2020, they had an article called The Benefits of a Cashless Society. They write articles like that and promote that all the time about going digital and getting rid of cash and and so forth and the benefits of that. But on June 28th, yeah, we're talking about just over a month ago, okay, uh, they had Prasad, or Cornell uh, University professor, uh, that literally went on and talked about, you know, uh, speaking for the World Economic Forum with their logo behind him and everything, about just the benefits of going to a cashless society. And he made some interesting statements that should be chilling to us as Christians. And the one final note I will uh, make is that if you think about the benefits of digital money, there are huge potential gains. You could have, as I argue in my book, a potentially better, and yeah, some people might see it, or a darker world where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things but not other things that it deems less desirable and we're talking about you know him talking about this going on and some people look at it as great of course some people look at it as dark yeah us christians will look at it as dark and we're going to be the ones that are considered dark because evil will be called good and good will be called evil and uh they're going to talk about what you can and can't buy well guess what the bible says those who don't take that mark can't buy at all and can you imagine man it's it's just going to get really nasty
0: no a- absolutely. I think it's important for people to to understand this too and and to have a good a, a good fear of the Lord so that when these things happen, you will not fear what is coming and you can put your trust in Amen. him and not in some system and not in some mark that is going to be able to get you and your family
1: back yeah. Eating. This is temporal, man, you take off our heads. The lion can swallow our bodies, can't swallow our soul. To be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. So trust the Lord no matter what happens. He doesn't let us go through too much. If we're seeking him, we can get through anything.
0: Amen. And when it comes to the book of Revelation, we talk about the perseverance of the saints. The perseverance of the saints is this. There will be those who are led to the sword. and There will be, there will be those that are led into the wilderness. And that is the perseverance of the saints. Part of the perseverance is laying down your life. Uh, and, and ultimately in the end times, actually, when we look at it. But, Joe, one of the things uh, I, I want to keep going on this clip because it is somewhat convoluted in terms of, especially with Joe Rogan, there are certain things that I'm going to be honest when we play this this next part, uh, there are certain things about him that when I listen to him talk about Scripture and so forth, if I was just naturalistic and you know and back to my old atheistic ways, I would look at some of the comments that he made, and he had Stephen C. Meyer on the week before he had this, yeah, this right. episode, and when I heard him talking about history, and I hear some of his answers, I'm like, "That is some of the more foolish things that I've heard stated uh, that that are supposed to be intellectual." And when I hear him spout certain things, John Marco Allegro nonsense, and translation nonsense, Da Vinci Code myths, and and whatever it may be that he falls hook, line, and sinker. If I was naturalistic, I would never understand. I would think, haven't you looked at this for even 15 minutes? You could watch a 15-minute video and realize how goofball some of these statements are. But then I recognize what the Bible says, that the God of this world has blinded the minds, blinded the minds of those who will not believe this glorious gospel that
1: we have. And and we were there. So we we were were there. That's exactly
0: Right. And so I can look back and think, man, I really thought some really, really goofy things Same as here. well.
1: Yeah. And so
0: I, I'm just praying that these are spiritual blinders and that hopefully yeah, the Lord, veil take is move, Please, Lord, do that. Um, but let, let's hear him, him talk a little bit more.
2: You know what's so wild about well, that stuff, reading that, is it's really clear that they spoke differently. Yeah. And also really clear that you're getting a translation from another language, like well, this is the best version of the English translation they sh- they could give us.
3: It gets weirder when you get to the original, like when you get to the original, because like you know one of the reasons that seems weird is because that that's a that's a code mm-hmm. that like it, it's not like it's meant it's encoded like there's some kind of like other thing in there.
2: Um, Jimmy just pulls this up: the classical uh, Greek word "charm." Sharamog Sharagma sharam, Sharagma uh, translated as mark of the beast in Revelation thirteen sixteen can also mean any mark engraved, imprinted, or branded, stamped money, document, or coin. The mark of the beast is interpreted differently across the four main views of Christian uh Eschatology. eschatology.
0: Now, Joe, there are a number of things that I'm looking at in that short little clip there. Uh, one of which, this weird idea he has about translating, as if if something is translated, you know, it really messes us up. We can't really understand what's going on. Well, by the way, thousands of years of study, theology, the manuscripts that we have now are earlier than the manuscripts we had before. All of the things that we look at when it comes to not only theology, but also manuscript evidence, critical evidence, Uh, you know, manuscripts, evidence, and so forth, it is kind of embarrassing to listen to someone that thinks it's intellectual say, yeah, you could just tell someone's talking in another language. By the way, it's in English to try to explain to people who are trying to read it in English. I mean, Joe, when we look at the Septuagint, when we see very clearly that they wrote the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, what for? It was so the people that had a common language would be able to understand what the scriptures said.
1: Sure. Thousands of there's millions of translations going on right now from one language to the other. We do that all the time.
0: No, a hundred percent. And it's not like, Oh wait, I just can't,
1: can't seem to understand what they're saying. Yeah. You can't understand Homer then you can't understand, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I guess, you know, you can, it's just an interesting thing to hear that continue to be, you could just tell it's something else. Like you could just tell it's like, no, it's kind of embarrassing to hear that. And then, you have not talking about this code that's in there. And I think, maybe and I, think I, I
1: think real quick, we mentioned that there's yeah. four different eschatological views kind of lends itself to that. It kind of lends itself to the whole idea of them kind of playing fast and loose with what this could mean maybe i don't know what their motivations were but it's interesting they bring that up
0: yeah he brings the code and then he like you said he brings this well there's four you know i, I think he just reads it and then he's like Escital, es. he's
1: reading from West, wikipedia is what yeah, he's, he's
0: reading from wikipedia trying to get an understanding which i'm blessed that at least it's no, like, i'm glad I'm they're looking into it as something. long as their motives
1: are good right no but 100%. We, that's what we're trying to check out is we don't only know their motives but we can see where they're going
0: yeah, and he's like, there's just some kind of thing in there. There's just this code, and there are four views. So, Joe, I think it might be a good time, you know, since they mention in there the four different views of eschatology concerning what they've been reading, which in context was the mark of the beast, uh, right. the mark of the beast coming. So so there are these four main views, and I, I guess if they, they read a little further, they would— get into that in terms of actually studying, okay, what are some of the views that the church has held to?
1: And they're talking about the four different views on the mark of the beast in regard to the book of Revelation, but what they're doing. And we've studied the book of Revelation two times in the fellowship, verse by verse. I think both studies were about more than seven years. At least one was over seven, one about that. And uh, that book, uh, there are four different views on, but just because there's four views, not all views are equal, okay? And of course, we're gonna be biased with one particular view, but it was the prevailing view of the early Christian church for centuries, uh, and most Christians, by the way, today as well. Uh, and, but let's go through those four views just really quickly, really briefly. Uh, there is the historicist view, and the historicist view of the book of Revelation is that the book of Revelation has been unfolding, you know, it's being, being fulfilled throughout the centuries from the time it was written until now. And many of them look at it; it's almost all fulfilled, and they try to put, you know, the the burning up of the sea—a third of the sea—happened here, and this happened there, and and when you look at the historicist view, you just shake your head. You're like, man, they're trying to, they're trying to, you know, take square pegs and hammer them into circles, right? Uh, And they can't do it, and they do it over and over again. But it's just, and most people, you don't see a whole lot of commentaries on the historicist view because it's it's uh it's pretty bankrupt because. Uh, And I think the main reason is when you look at the book of Revelation, guess what? You realize that the book of Revelation has to do specifically more than anything else about the last three and a half years of history. It deals with the last seven years of history. uh, Daniel's 70th week, that last week of Daniel that's yet to be fulfilled. And specifically that last three and a half years where the Antichrist uh, takes up power and the judgment that's upon his kingdom. In fact, the the bowls and the seals and the trumpets. uh, Most of those are all taking place after he begins his reign, uh, at the wrath of God coming over the earth, that takes up the bulk of the book of Revelation and the description of the horror of Babylon that sits on him, two chapters, 17 and 18. The beast himself, Revelation chapter 13, his activity, Revelation chapter 16. Uh, you see all these things, most of the stuff you read about Revelation is, is not historical, it's future in fact, the one things that one of the things that you might say is historical is maybe Revelation chapter two and three is to historical churches, and some things have been fulfilled in regard to the promise of one of those churches. But many of those things are still future, because they have to do with new heaven, new earth. And chapter twelve, where it talks about the the dragon goes after the woman, you know, after after the woman has the man child, which is picture Christ, it's Israel, Christ coming and ascending. That's historical because he's he's going back and showing us what happened. Uh, there, But then he projects the woman being persecuted for 1,260 days back to that last 42 months. And that's what the book of Revelation is mostly all about and Christ's second coming. So that view is bankrupt. And it's probably easier now to explain the other few views in light of the historical view, uh, which is spiritually, you know, bereft of any solid, you know, uh, teaching. Uh, there's the, the idealist view. And the idealist view is basically it's an allegory. You know, it's just allegorical and you can get spiritual truths from it but it's not really writing about things that are literally going to happen like 666, the mark of the beast. Uh, with the historicist view, that's could have, many of them, it's already been fulfilled in some way, you know. With the Euro idealist view, yeah, yeah and the idealist view, oh, it's just a symbolic number. It's, since seven is perfection, it's just how the dragon and the beast are, are less than perfect and so forth. And it's not a literal number that's going to, you know, people are going to have to take to buy or sell and so forth, uh, and which is which is really weak as well. Because when you look at the numbers, of the book of Revelation, for instance, we're talking about the 42 months. It mentions the beast reign or the Antichrist for 42 months and for 1,260 days, or for a time, which is a year, and times, which is two years. So it's two plus one, three, and a half a time, which is three and a half years again. When we see that three and a half years, the book of Daniel talks about those 70 weeks. And Chad, as you know, the first 69 weeks, first 69 sevens were literal. Christ would be cut off after the 69 sevens. It's exactly what happened. One of the great evidences that Jesus is the Messiah, the Mashiach, who was to be cut off. But then there's that last seven years that is still future. So we know that was 42 months, that second half of that last year. We know that that happens to be very specifically numbers that do matter. So to say 666, it's really just not a literal thing to people by ourselves. Ooh, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't meet the the, the smell test right there. And then there's a the preterist view, which to me is the most dangerous of all the views because the preterist view held by many postmillennialists uh, is that it's all pretty much fulfilled. The book of Revelation is either entirely fulfilled, the full preterist, or almost all fulfilled except for the second coming, the preterist, the the partial preterist. And that view is so scary because people many of the post mills that hold the preterist view is that we're going to build the kingdom of God on earth that we're going to bring people uh, to, to Jesus and the whole world's going to become Christianized and, and this coming kingdom is God's kingdom and people will be led into Antichrist's kingdom because guess what this has not been fulfilled the book of Revelation I mean every nation kindred and tongue people and tongue will have taken a mark on the right hand or forehead oh yeah Nero was the Antichrist he was the Antichrist it was already fulfilled a couple of really big problems with that First of all, Nero, or not Nero, but the Antichrist, when he's destroyed, Chad, he's destroyed at Christ's second coming. Uh, Jesus Christ comes w- and with his mighty angels and flaming fire to take vengeance on those who dwell on the earth with the armies of heaven. And the beast is taken with him, the false prophet, they're thrown alive in the lake of fire. And then Jesus Christ sets up his reign. That's not what happened to Nero. Nero committed suicide. It wasn't Nero. Plus, Nero's name isn't 666. You have to misspell his name to get 666 out of it. Also, uh, Chad, I think it's important that we keep in mind that uh, the early church fathers, they came not long after Nero. They're just right after Nero. They didn't say, oh, it's happened. No, they're all looking for the yeah. Antichrist, saying 666 chose us how to determine who it will be. Uh, Tertullian, uh, Irenaeus, uh, Justin Martyr, Hippolytus. We can go on and on with our church fathers talking about the coming Antichrist right after that. How come they didn't all say, oh, yeah, that already is fulfilled? It's just, it's so scary. But the only, the biblical view is the futurist view because this has not yet happened, folks. Jesus talked about a time of great tribulation that'd be like no time. Before it or after it. Uh the Holocaust was bigger than what happened in 70 AD when they claimed that, you know, which doesn't even match when Nero was just killed, by the way, or killed himself. So the futurist view is that this is coming, that we need to be concerned. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, blessed is he that reads, right? The words of this prophecy. So I'm praise praise God, Joe Rogan uh read that, you know, but you can't just read it. Blessed is that reads and hears, who hears and reads and keeps the words of this prophecy. You have to obey the word of God and Or your life based on what the Word of God says and the book of Revelation says. So
0: that is three of the views.
1: And the other view I mentioned at the very end is the futurist view.
0: And the other one is the futurist view. And so that's that fourth view, that futurist view, as you mentioned, that you took a literal interpretation, obviously, of the first 69 weeks. So that... Yep. Literal last Amen. seven years. Otherwise, we're dealing with, you know, hoping that at 40 AD, you know, this whole thing was. Yeah. Um, and, there, and there are solved. some
1: differences among those who have the futurist view and we love each other. But we need to recognize a lot of those who have the futurist view believe that we're going to be taken out right before this, the, 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 the 70th week of Daniel, that, that last seven years and not going to have to face the Antichrist. That was not the teaching of the early church fathers. That's not the teaching of Jesus who warned his own apostles, the leaders of the early church, who he taught the Great Commission to teach us what he commanded them. He told them, when you see the abomination, desolation, stand in the holy place with the temple, take off, right? He uh, In the book, Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that the, uh, Christ will not come and gather the church, Paul said. And he said, don't be deceived about this until the falling away happens first. And the man of sin, the son of perdition, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So uh, a lot of churches being deceived in that area. So we're futurists, but we're post-trib, pre-millennial, pre-thousand years futurists, which is what the early church was.
0: Now, I think this is important for people to understand and have a better grasp on these different views because it's interesting that the mark of the beast specifically, as they had tried to explain somewhat what's going on there, oh, there's these four different views or whatever it may be, but you see how having a different view on what the mark of the beast is, it's really important for us because guess what? There are some, Joe, that are teaching that the mark of the beast, that you can actually take it and still be saved. And is that what the book of Revelation shows us, that those who take the mark of the beast will at some point have a chance to repent of doing so?
1: No, and those who are teaching that are, Lord have mercy, because that's a serious false teaching. Uh, Tim LaHaye, Left Behind series, biggest, you know, fiction series ever before Harry Potter, you know, or what have you. Uh, you know, they teach that, him and Jenkins, that was Jenkins' dad, right? Uh, uh, Jenkins said, who co-wrote those books with LaHaye, is that basically if you have the mark of the beast and then you, or if you're a Christian, but then you take the mark of the beast, you're still saved no matter what. Uh, John MacArthur taught that people can take the mark of the beast he didn't say save people he said people could take the mark of the beast and later they could repent some will repent you don't read that anywhere in scripture in fact that would make jesus a false prophet because jesus said anyone who takes the mark of the beast revelation chapter 14 uh anyone that that, that talks about the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever they'll have no rest day and night uh they'll be they'll be under eternal damnation in fact we read in revelation chapter that's in revelation 14 near the end of revelation chapter 16 to the beginning uh, the scriptures talks about those who took the mark of the beast when God brings his judgments upon the earth. It says they refuse to repent and give him glory. So we have a prophecy from Jesus that they won't repent that and, and they'll be damned. And we have further revelation that they refuse to repent when God's judgments came upon them.
0: Amen. And I think also when we even look at 2 Thessalonians, and, and here's the thing, like I've, I've heard people get asked this question, what would you do if someone came and they were repenting after getting the mark of the beast? And... You know, it'd be similar to saying, what do you do when a married person is a bachelor? Uh, yeah. The truth is, it's impossible. It actually shows us in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that they're given over to, to a lie. Delusion. They're yeah. given over to a strong delusion because why? Not because God is a meanie, but because they were unwilling to come to the knowledge of the yeah, truth.
1: they refused to love the truth. Therefore, God gives them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. So that's exactly right, Chad. They're given over to that, and that's because their hearts have become so hardened when they take that mark. It's rejecting the testimony of Christ, the testimony of, of of the Christians who have been, their blood's been spilled, the testimony of the angel that says do not take the mark. They've gone to a point of hardness where they go to a place of no return when they take it.
0: Amen. And I think people need to understand that too. And just for, hopefully for future, for even brothers in Christ that get asked this question, you know, making sure that you give a biblical answer and and not, not simply go some speculative sort yeah. of thing when the Bible doesn't give us that speculation. It That's gives right. us clear and concise statements that tell us that 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 will never take place. So it's not something that will actually happen. So that is important. But we want to go through a a number of other clips here on on the show because there are some things, Joe, because it's great that they read the book of Revelation. It's great that this was talked about and that it's getting brought into the fold. As by the way, one of the reasons I, I did enjoy this is because this is being talked about in light of what's going on around to say, well, maybe this is exactly yeah. what it's talking about, so it's giving us that's an opportunity right. with that stated, also with the what we 've already talked about about having discernment concerning where we see people that are making these statements it's also important to point out the things that are very dangerous, which is what you're going to be seeing
3: so that that's a code number one two you know just one way to connect to it and it helps when you 're on a psychedelic is forget about the whether or not any of it makes sense, but imagine like a mind produced that. Yeah. So, whoever wrote that, like, yeah. What was their consciousness like? Dude, that's some
0: heavy. Sh- wow. Now we're getting into really, I think, what Joe Rogan wants to talk about. If I'm being honest, I think this is the part that he gets excited about the idea of psychedelics and it's not only the psychedelics using drugs not being sober and vigilant your adversary the devil priming like a, around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour all of these different things that that we we want to discuss but also this consciousness right that that John the revelator right would have had according to uh this man here and this is the sort of thing that we do need to talk about we have to talk about it because i i do believe That this is just one more aspect when you look at the end times deception, signs and wonders. You look even, Joe, when we talk about atheists and so forth, a lot of this stuff is moving away from atheism and going into spiritism. You just baptized someone this last Sunday, right? We we got to baptize her together who came out of running forums for atheists, going to Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins things. And then guess what? Where did that put her towards? The New Age, when you look at Sam Harris with his yoga Amen. and all of his nonsense. We actually
1: baptized two or three ex-New Agers who have great testimonies. Amen. Yeah. Wonderful,
0: wonderful, amazing testimonies. But the thing that keeps sticking out to me are the atheists, right? Yeah. The the, That's right. the materialists that all of a sudden are moving over into spiritism. Yeah, the mysticism, the
1: occult. And this is where it all that leads. That shouldn't even exist if there's no God.
0: No, but it does.
1: It's In their so minds, yeah
0: unbelievably clear clear. it is real because it is a spiritual realm that we are we're not wrestling here against flesh and blood right don't get me wrong i'd love to roll around in some jiu-jitsu and 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 roll around with joe rogan but this is not a flesh and blood battle this is something that is guess what it is spiritual and as much as you want to push atheism and all this stuff on people and all these different theories the truth is this is where it goes back to it's always ends up with drugs Uh, i mean it always ends up with drugs and also Meditation and Spiritism. And it just seems like this is right down the rabbit trail and it's further away from Christianity than you may have thought when you first heard these
1: clips. Amen, bro. And that's a good point. And there's a huge irony here, guys, that we need to be, you know, really aware of. Is can you imagine, Chad, the book of Revelation condemns the murder of Christians, right? I mean, strongly, the Whore of Babylon, the beast, and so forth. Can you imagine Joe Rogan and, and Duncan saying, yeah, but to understand the book of Revelation, we have to murder Christians more we'd say, wait a minute, uh, that, why, why would you do that? How would that help? And of course, that sounds ridiculous, right? But guess what? It's not quite as ridiculous as you think when they're saying, hey, to understand the book of Revelation where we need to expand our consciousness, man, and you know, and and, and kind of just put the, the hallucinogen microscope on it so that the true meaning pops out more. Uh, it's crazy because guess what? The book of Revelation, just like condemns the murder of Christians, murder in general as well, uh, it condemns the use of hallucinogens, it could, uh, illicit drugs. Mm. In fact, uh, right there in the book of Revelation, which they're getting all excited about and they're concerned about this mark of the beast. Now, are they concerned about the mark of the beast because they don't want to worship you know, uh, the Antichrist or because they, just, they want to have some privacy and they want to be able to buy their porn without people knowing or, or whatever? Uh, which is it? I mean, I don't know what the exact view is, but guess what? If they're concerned about the book of Revelation because it's from God and it reveals what's going to happen in the future, they should also be concerned about all the passages in the book of Revelation which warn against doing the very things that these folks do, which I used to do heavily—LSD and other hallucinogens—and opened up me to the demonic world. And that's one of the things that got me possessed before I became a Christian and cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ and got delivered. These guys are leading people in the name of being in the book of Revelation and open themselves up to the mnemonic world because the scriptures use that word, the words pharmakon, pharmacus pharmakeia, from which we get the words pharmaceutical, pharmacy, and so forth. Uh, pharmakeia and its cognates, its Greek cognates are used five times in the New Testament, once in Galatians 5, when it's talking about the sins of the flesh, verses, 20, verses 19 through 21, and four times in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And that, that word pharmakeia is translated magic arts, it's translated witchcraft, it's translated sorceries, uh, it's translated, by the way, they don't know exactly how to translate it because we don't have an English word, speaking of translations, that really uh, captures the meaning because it has to do with opening yourself up to the demonic world through drugs, by suspending your own consciousness to a degree open up to another consciousness which is that of demonic entities which impose their consciousness upon you and therefore what's interesting uh, is they're promoting the very thing the scriptures uh forbid and i've tried to come up i've tried to coin certain words chad to put sorcery you know and and uh you know uh, these types of drugs together, and I, won't even, I'll, I don't even—I don't want to give some out because it's kind of a joke. When you start looking, at the words I came up with—I've been doing that for years. This would be a good word. This, but they've also translated that word dope peddling, uh, druggings, dopings, different translators because they're trying to get a, their 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 brains around it. But the early church fathers used that word of not only as a, uh, abortion, which is to kill babies, but also of oh, yeah. uh, using in cauldrons to open people up to the demonic world. And that's, if you look at the lexicons, you'll see that the word pharmakeia uh, was used of potions and to open you up to the demonic world. Well, this is what's interesting. They're talking about reading the book of Revelation, doing the very thing the word of God forbids that's going to be opening people up to these lies that people refuse to repent of. And if they refuse to repent of these drugs, but then also use the Bible to promote these drugs, especially the book of Revelation, it's a sick irony. And my heart prays God show them what trouble they are in. Because if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, Jesus said, to fall into sin, to to, to turn from the faith, uh, it'd be better that a large millstone, huge millstone be hung around your neck and be thrown in the depths of the sea, Jesus said, than the faith that you are going to suffer. Now this isn't in- important because Revelation chapter nine, verses uh, 20 and 21, talks about those who refuse to repent of their pharmakeia, right? Hallucinogens, mm. you know, psilocybin, uh, mushrooms, DMT, you know, just... Uh, You know, ayahuasca, all these various drugs that open you up to the demonic world, even marijuana opens you up to the spirit world. So it's really interesting, guys, because it associates the refusal to repent uh, of the pharmakeia in Revelation 9 with the worship of demons. And then, which is very interesting, it all fits together. And then you go to Revelation Mm -hmm. 18.23, it talks about the, the merchants were the great men of the earth and they were destroyed. revelation 18 as god has babylon destroyed and they deceive the world through their pharmakeia through their through their uh their hallucinate you know druggings and so forth and then in the pharmakeia sorcery spirits then you get to revelation chapter 21 verse 8 and those that go lake of fire you know murderers abominable cowards uh, unbelievers and so forth idolaters all liars and it says in those who use pharmakeia. And then Revelation 22, 14 to 15, who are the ones that don't go to the holy city? The dogs, right? Those who are are committing abominations. And it gives a list, the the sexually immoral and so forth, but also those who are doing pharmakeia. So this is a thick, twisted, sick, sad irony. And I'd love to chalk it up up to uh, ignorance. But it seems like uh, uh, Duncan Russell there is into the book of Revelation reading the Word of God. Is he just ignoring these passages? Would he try to explain them away? You can't. And the basis of how that word is used in the Greek language.
0: No, it's so important for people to understand this because when you are engaging in these things, and some people I do believe in, when you look at the book of Proverbs, It talks about those who are the simple ones and then it talks about those who are the fools and there are the simple ones that we do give an answer so they don't consider themselves wise in their own eyes and there are those that you don't even respond to because you'll just become a fool just like them. And so we need to always be able to recognize that because there are some that you bring about correction, you show them and and express this truth to them and they go, wow, I didn't know what I've been engaging in and maybe there's a struggle with that and a lot of people and, and if people want to say, oh, I, I never addicted to this, I never addicted to that, like, I'm just letting you know, like Joe's had to deal with it, I've dealt with it in conversations, entire lives ruined by the choice of just using drugs over and over again, the loss of family, the loss of jobs. I mean, the amount of devastation. And so when you read, uh, well, you quoted, actually, you didn't read from it, but you quoted Revelation 18, 23. And when you read through that context and to see that they had deceived the whole world yeah. and... And you see on Joe Rogan him pushing this stuff. I mean, he has Stephen C. Meyer on, and he still has to push psychedelics. And there's people that yeah, worship right. it came up worship the conversation. God, and they 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 do it with psychedelics, and they're holy people and all this stuff. And you're like, give me a break. Do you realize what you're opening yourself up to is exactly what Lester Crowley said that you do with cognac and cocaine and give me another drag because I'm going to open up my, my demoniac brain? I mean... These are the kind of things that are going on. Yeah, and on. we're going to see what happens
1: when we get into their interp- or, you know, Duncan's interpretation of the book of Revelation a little bit and where this all goes. Is yeah, Crowley had his interpretation of the book of Revelation and he called himself the beast, you know? Amen. Uh, and Amen. we'll go. Yeah. And you're going
0: to, I think this is a great time to look at this clip because ultimately I think what we're going to see here is the spirit of Antichrist. Check it out.
3: Like, and, and it's so specific. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the original, uh, at least I've, I haven't done it for the Book of Revelations, but the Book of John, it's it becomes even more intense and more like, wait, what? Like in the beginning was the Word, logos, logos. So in the so you realize suddenly like within it is this psychedelic cosmology that in the beginning there was like truth, there was just truth, uh-huh. reality, and then that truth, like manifested, extruded itself into time space for a second to uh, like talk about like heaven or to talk about like the real reality outside the simulator, whatever you want to call it. And it was something like, it was a light and the darkness and the darkness did not understand it. So it's like the truth appears in the darkness. The darkness is like, I don't, we don't even know what this is. I can't see it. I don't, I don't understand it. And then, and then that was the, like, Jesus is a representation of that the manifestation of that possibility of like pure truth appearing in a world of darkness. Mm. And whoa, dude, that's cool. Regardless of historical truth or whatever, that's just a beautiful and deep heavy way of talking about um, parallel universes or Mm. the the possibility of uh, things happening on a planet where people have gotten completely lost, where suddenly in the midst of that, something appears that isn't lost that is like a pure representation of a higher consciousness or something sometimes it likes to talk it's like when you uh it's like sending like you're putting yourself in one of your sims in sim city you just go down there and you're like okay like here's what's going on (laughs) and then pop back out (laughs) And then they kill him, that's the best part. It's like the, the and so the book of John, I just looked this up because I'm I'm writing about it, but the book of John is is Matthew, Mark, Luke, synoptic gospels, they they have the same stories in them mostly. John, not synoptic, and has all this weird in it. And not that any of the other stuff isn't weird, but particularly weird stuff in it. And so those three gospels, they have within them something that I've always struggled with understanding the logic, which is to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Sacrifice the God, child, drink his blood, sins, cleansed. Uh, whereas book of John, it, it has less of a, a focus on that and, and, or, or the redemption through the crucifixion and more saying the crucifixion itself was the ultimate because it was the like collision between light and darkness where light, instead of getting aggro, fighting back, just like prayed for the people killing it and died. And like, dude, you're not gonna sleep at night if you're crucifying somebody who's praying for you, who's like looking at you and loves you, not in a fake spiritual way, but loves you and knows you, no has known you forever and loves you and truly forgives you <laughs> Oh, Dude that f- the whole game up it ruins darkness. It's the ultimate atom bomb in the face of power Yeah, go ahead and kill me dude, it's really cool. So uh, you know Regardless that the book of revelations and all of that stuff. I think it it clearly emanates from a, an expanded consciousness if nothing else
0: Wow, there is a lot to go over, Joe, and I, I don't I don't want to miss out on, on anything he said there, but there are things that we'll want to hit after Joe Rogan asks this next yeah, question. Absolutely. And so I want to leave that kind of lying there. It is interesting this guy is writing a book on the Gospel of John, apparently, and when he's writing the book on the Gospel of John, I wonder if his psychedelic usage is what's getting him to say there's a lot of weird stuff in the Gospel of John, I don't... I think of all the Gospels, when you look at the Gospel of John, first of all, it's written as a Gospel track. I mean, ultimately, when you read the Gospel of John, we are told by its author, John the Apostle, I am writing these things that you may believe and have life in his name. If you were ever wondering why did God write this, Why, why did God use John to write this, he tells you, so you will believe and have life in Jesus' name. It's not so you can have a greater understanding of consciousness, It is so you have life in his name through the death, burial, and resurrection, which is all contained in the Gospel of John and the restoration of Peter. I mean, you have the seven miracles that he aligns the entire Gospel through. I mean, the Gospel of John is so powerful. I don't know what on earth he's talking about in that. Uh, The the idea that it has less of a focus on the sacrifice of Christ. Guys, John 3.16 exists, and it's from the Gospel of John. And John three sixteen is a focal point of the gospel, right? It is for God so loved the world that he what gave his only begotten son. So obviously not that I'm expecting to get so much truth from here, but Joe, he went off on
1: Oh, uh, speaking of John and the other gospels drinking other people's drinking the child's blood. It's like, well, if there's any confusion about that, that would be from John chapter six. Okay? Yeah, yeah, not amen. From the, the, the Catholics
0: and, have confused that for so yeah, many years. Right, uh, so he's confused
1: on that issue. It's not literally drinking Jesus' blood.
0: A- amen. And uh, obviously, uh, as Jesus tells him, tells them there when in John six sixty six, where they all walk away. I just have to give this caveat, especially for the the Catholic people in our audience that do enjoy our shows. Um, in John six sixty six, after people all all of them leave, and Jesus asks Peter. Uh, well, will you leave as well? And he doesn't say to him, well, you have the flesh and blood of eternal life. He actually tells them that you have the words of eternal life, the same words that later in John 15, he says they've already been made clean by the words they have heard. Right, even
1: John 6, Jesus goes on to say, the words I speak to you are are spirit spirit and and truth. truth. Amen.
0: They were spiritual in nature, speaking of the manna. Yeah, not literal
1: drinking his blood, Um, but in a picture of, or thank you for sacrificing yourself for us. Amen,
0: amen. So, 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 Joe, that was some of the things. I wrote down a number of things, even as listening to it again, because I'm like, man, that is weird. That is weird. This enlightened consciousness, and it goes back to Christ consciousness, so I think we'll have to talk about a little bit later at the next points. But, Joe, the Lagos the truth, the manifestation, it's sad because some of the stuff on forgiveness there, when you're talking about Jesus Christ coming and dying and praying for those that are persecuting them, not a focus on, uh, you know, to tell us die pit in full and all that stuff that Jesus talked about. But it's kind of sad because there's a weird amount, there's a little, but a weird amount of truth of the beauty of the gospel, even contained in the ridiculousness of what seems like honestly, if I was back in high school, if one of the guys too, took too many rips of the bong load and happened to grow up in church, that's what that sounded like to
1: me. No, you hear Joe Rogan, whoa, man. And I'm like, man, that remembers when I was stoned and we talked about heavy things, and which we were far from the truth, but you get little nuggets here and there and you get a lot of lies, you know? And, and what's interesting to me when you think about what he's saying here, it's very diabolical and whether he knows it or not. Uh, he's speaking of the logos and the word becoming flesh and how powerful that is. But you notice he didn't, speak of the Logos as being specifically the Lord Jesus Christ, who the word became flesh and dwelt among us because he mentions, well, it doesn't even matter the historical Jesus, which we'll get, get into deeper, like the historical Jesus, that does matter who Jesus is, right? But uh, in First John, he says, you know, and it's funny, we both wrote this down in our notes, you know, is that First John talks about we saw him with our eyes. We touched him, the same John that wrote the gospel of John. And John in the gospel says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was beginning with God and everything was made by him and nothing was made but by him. In other words, he is God. And in verse 14, and he became flesh and dwelt among us. That's important because you know what he said? He says, well, yeah, Jesus is a representation or a manifestation of the Logos. A representation, the Logos? No, Jesus is is the Logos and he became flesh. And when he says a representation, he says, and they crucified it. He's speaking in more abstractly as though this historical Jesus, which he kind of goes like this, doesn't really matter. It's that it's truth. Now he's just dealing with truth and truth was crucified and how powerful that is. And he's getting away from the historical Jesus who you cannot be saved without his death, burial and resurrection. And when he says a, you know, he says a representation, a representation, I work, I'm going a little faster than usual today, guys. I'm sorry about that because we want to cover so much ground here. We try to get usually done at a good time. But I want to say this is, and you remember the passage in Acts 16 where the woman's possessed by the devil Amen. and she's following Amen. Paul and Silas saying, these men preach a way of salvation. And some of your translations will say the way, but in the Greek, there's no ha, they're ho, which is a definite article of the. It's just, I think the new NASB has it translated, right? A way, uh, which is a lie. And they turn around eventually and cast the demon out of her. That's Satan's lie, that Jesus is just a way, or that Jesus is just really a, you know, an abstract truth and he just represents truth and we just need truth because what they're getting into here is 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 actually far away from the truth and the true historical Jesus who gave himself for us.
0: It's so important for us to understand these these truths, the actual truth that comes from scripture. And it's so interesting to hear someone so, I guess, I, like I said, it, it's it's a really heartbreaking thing because you can see someone trying to express something that they ultimately don't understand. And the truth is, is they're trying to do this through the lenses of psychedelics. And so they're actually, what they're doing is taking Beelzebub and yeah. using his advice on what the scriptures actually right. say and the truth is the, the the Bible is really clear that we need to do what the psalmist cried out open my eyes that I may behold marvelous things from your word that's what we need to do it is the glory of God to conceal a matter but the honor of kings to search it out we need to rightly divide the word of truth we need to have a better understanding of what the word of God says and not get into these weird pseudo interpretations that are so outlandish and Joe this is going to be important because this is brought up, and as you said, he was kind of making an, you know, truth an abstract. Jesus as the Logos is an abstract. And one of the things that Joe Rogan's going to bring up, and you're going to hear some very weird answers, and I think it's really interesting concerning he's talking about the book of John, that he's writing a book on the Gospel of John. Uh, I, I want to, I want to get into that because here he is kind of going to be asked by Joe Rogan, in terms of the historicity of all this, because we're talking about all these stories and all this stuff, and Joe Rogan's like, well, what about the historical Jesus? He's going to ask him this here, and you've you got to hear this weird answer, especially in light of John, specifically. Like, it, Do you think there really was a Jesus?
3: Well, I think, you know, I read that controversial book by Reza Aslan about Jesus. It's pretty good. It's called... Oh, geez, Jamie, I'm sorry. I don't know the name of it. I'm so dumb, man. I can remember what books say, but I can't remember their titles. But yeah, he says, apparently there are references to zealot and it's controversial. I know some people don't like it, but I enjoyed it. But it says like, apparently there are references to a Jesus, but never described as um, Messiah, but as a magician. Who was going around healing people and stuff? Oh. So there is some reference to the the being, but you know, I like I I get so bored with the attempt to find the historic Jesus because I think it really misses the point altogether. Like I I think like you get so caught up in like trying to like find the Grail or whatever mm-hmm. that you lose track of regardless of the truth of this being walking the earth. Does it change the substance of like the parables and their referencing of some realm, a transcendent realm, a a possibility outside the suffering of the mundane world outside of like (laughs) emperor (laughs) so you can get a little bit of power. (laughs) Actually, there's something in any person's life. Like you can just like wake up and see it, Mm. the kingdom of heaven, Gnosis.
0: Now, Joe, I, I have some things written down because, first of all, uh, Aslan's book on Jesus as the Zealot and, and so forth, it, it's a nominal Muslim writing about the historicity of Jesus is an embarrassment, first of all. Second of all, I, I think that book's been debunked about 50 times from 50 different ways. And, you know, this idea that Jesus was just referenced as this magician. Granted, you're talking about people trying to describe what on earth was going on through this miracle work of Jesus because they couldn't get around the fact that he was a real historical figure because if you were writing around the time of Jesus, you know, like if you were Josephus or Pliny the Younger or somebody like that. Tacitus. Tacitus, exactly. If you were writing in that time frame, you couldn't just write it off and say, oh, well, he never really did these things because— you couldn't do that because everyone knew a relative and so forth that this would have happened to them. So you can't just write it off as that. So call it whatever you want. And then when but passing that along and going through some of these things, it's kind of interesting. He used the word, he was bored to find the historical Jesus. That was actually the same words used by Ben Shapiro when William Lane right. Craig That's actually shared the, the gospel with him. So we can have the historical argument back and forth, obviously, and I think that they're arguments that you can make i think they are arguments that i can make But i, I honestly yes. find them relatively uninteresting is the truth <laughs> uninteresting is the truth and i thought you're bored with whether or not the resurrection happened and this points back to say that you're missing the entire point yeah if you're that, trying to that's look.
1: ironic too thick irony there man first corinthians 15 one of the, the fact that screens. god
0: became flesh is the point <laughs> it is the the resurrection first of all if you let's say you're materialistic the time that has existed prior to your existence is a lot longer than your existence. The time that will exist after your existence is, guess what, a much larger distance. So just by deduction, this part that is longer, guess what, it's probably gonna be very important about where you go and the truth of that. And so when Paul writes 1 Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians 15 is a very, very early creed that probably takes us back all the way almost to the very cross of Jesus Christ himself in terms of the timeline, because that is being written. And Paul is writing about something that was already delivered to him and which is of first importance. And by the way, he tested this gospel message out that he wrote to the church of Corinth who had converted to Christ, tested this gospel message out with, guess who? The apostles who were right there when Jesus, in his life, his death, His burial and his resurrection. And then he said, This is of first importance that Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures, that he wrote uh, for your sins according to the scriptures, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And by the way, he also shared this with over 500 people in Corinth, many of which were still alive, some who had already passed. And then he showed himself to the 12, then himself to Paul as well. And all of these things in terms of Jesus Christ's resurrection. And then it's not only that, but he ties up everything. All of the leaving behind his Pharisaical upbringing and everything and being taught under Gamaliel, leaving that behind, the apostles leaving behind their work, all of the people that have left behind their old way of life, some of which that was much easier than when they became a Christian because as Peter would eventually write in 1 Peter 4, that all Christians will suffer persecution All of that, leaving that behind, and then saying, all of our preaching, all of our faith, everything that we believe, all of this manifestation nonsense that he's trying to claim he believes, all of this is worthless. And that if Jesus Christ did not resurrect from the dead, then there is no resurrection. You need to just eat and drink, for tomorrow you die. Just go live and be merry now, because you only have one life. But he hinges all of Christianity on the fact, the historical fact, that Jesus Christ not only lived, not only that he died, but that he resurrected. And I just found that to be so ridiculous. You couldn't read the the Bible for 15 minutes and yeah. come to that conclusion that it doesn't matter. And, and Joe... I got to hand this off to you because I can't be more than frustrated to think of somebody writing something about the Apostle John and in writing, in the learning of the Apostle John, to come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter if the person of Jesus is real because he wrote some really cool parables that might give us some understandings in some realms.
1: Right. Amen. And uh, no, and it's okay that you passed over to me because we're both getting very passionate during the show because I think we're both incredibly concerned uh, for many, many Christians who are getting deceived by this because, keep in mind, bro, we're reading the book Revelation that there'll just be a huge movement of illicit drugs in the end days, you know? And then we've seen Timothy Leary in the 1960s leading the West as the Pied Piper into drugs, and then Terrence McKenna kind of takes his mantle. Uh, and by the way, Terrence McKenna, with radical influence here on on Joe Rogan, uh, in fact, uh you get into this weird history of, of 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 you know his view of Jesus and so forth. But let's put some of these things together along with what Chad has said here, because right now you have many Christians I've seen under this clip on a couple different sites, different things like Christians talking about how microdosing is okay or it's okay to relate to people through hallucinogens when you're talking about about Jesus and so forth. I'm like, what in the world's going on? These guys, Rogan, I mean, Leary's gone. Terence McKenna had a mushroom shaped tumor which is interesting uh who took the mantle was getting everybody into in, into a lot of the leucogens and so forth uh he had a strange view and uh joe rogan has talked about that viewpoint before and that is called the stoned ape view and that's the idea that apes we humans came from apes and they're really not evolving now you really can't see these apes evolving now but it must happen really fast you know so what happened is there's a bunch of these apes in a tree and they were like you know starving to death so they went like well what do we eat and and they just got down and they started looking under cow pies. Maybe there'll be some food here. And they found magic mushrooms. They started eating these magic mushrooms. And then all of a sudden, their, their consciousness expanded. They became human beings. You know, it's like the hopeful monster theory, you know. This accelerated view of a punctuated equilibrium, it's actually called, uh, uh, of this rapid uh, evolution. And what's interesting here is now you have all these Christians because Revelation says it's going to happen. There's this huge deception where, Christ, where a lot of people are going to be getting into these 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 drugs, and it's going to open them up to the demonic world. And now you have the top podcaster over and over again promoting this. And then he talks about Terrence McKenna. And by the way, Terrence McKenna was a fraud, man. His own brother, who also promotes that movement, wrote a huge book about his life. And there was a section of the book that has since been edited out where he talks about Terrence McKenna basically uh, being like a salesman and basically freaked out because he opened himself up to something that was Terrence considered incredibly dark. Well, I not know what he opened himself up to, demonic entities, and he freaked out, and he stopped doing these drugs that he continued to promote for the most part. He rarely they did them small dosages. He wouldn't do certain drugs anymore. He was he very rarely would do them anymore, but he continued to sell it, his, his brother said, and so forth. And it's really actually way more powerful if I was to read the quote. We don't have time for that now, but uh, Joe Rogan said when he heard about, you know, uh, basically Terrence McKenna, you know, doing the mother load. And He kind of put that, I think, in a, when he heard another comedian talking about that. Turned him on to Terence McKenna and uh, Joe Rogan. If you look at his show, you'll see the the eye opening, you know, that third eye uh, opening up to the spiritual world. You'll see, I think, if I remember right, he has a, like an intro where you see like these apes. It's like they're going down to you know eat eat some of these mushrooms. So this is there is a construct here, and it fits into the narrative that they're pushing here.
0: No, Joe, I I just wanted to comment on this because we've actually touched on this on a couple different shows. You talked about him believing that Jesus is a mushroom, and it all comes from this book that he has promoted over and over and over again, even to Stephen C. Meyer, a week before this podcast, yeah. was promoting this, and I do believe that's why he keeps bringing up the historicity, because he talks about John Marco Allegro's book, The Sacred Mushroom in the Cross, and his belief was that Christianity started as a shamanistic cult, not, you know, a bunch of Jewish people believing in the Jewish Messiah, but nonetheless, uh, when, when we look at it, but I wanted to, to just read just from a couple of entries regarding it. Allegro argued that Jesus in the Gospels was, in fact, a code, which that stuck out to me, yeah. by the way, because earlier in this episode about the code. talks about the code that the book of Revelation uh, is talking about. But Jesus in the Gospels is simply a code for a type of hallucinogen, okay? And it actually had a critical reaction uh, immediately When it came to this book coming out, 14 British scholars, including Allegro's mentor at Oxford, Godfrey Driver, denounced the book. Uh, Sidney White Crawford wrote of the publication of The Sacred Mushroom, rightly or wrongly, Allegro would never be taken seriously as a scholar again. And Allegro's theory of a shamanistic cult as the origin of Christianity was criticized sharply by Welsh historian Philip Jenkins, who wrote that Allegro was an eccentric scholar who relied on texts that did not exist in quite the form he was citing them. In fact, the sacred mushroom in the cross, in Time magazine, it said this, to some biblical scholars in Britain, the new book looked like the psychedelic ravings of a hippie cultist. To others, it was merely an outlandish hoax. One described it as reading, quote, like a Semitic, philologist, erotic nightmare. This has been laughed off by any real scholars, and yet because he at one point worked on the Dead Sea Scrolls, he thinks that gives him credence to just say whatever nonsense he wants, and Joe Rogan keeps pushing this, Joe. but. I know that's a sidestep. We've talked about it a lot. I like to get new quotes about how ridiculous the book is that he has promoted over and over again as, oh, instead of believing in the historical Jesus, believe in this Jesus so you can believe in a fake Jesus you can get high on mushrooms and we could all be involved in a shamanistic cult. But Joe, I think this is important to bring this back exactly to the historical Jesus because as you mentioned earlier, we're talking about John. In fact, he's talking about John's gospel. John is a person john is a person who not just wrote john but wrote the book of Revelation. and guess what he wrote first john second john and third john and in first john it starts out immediately and this is something you already mentioned earlier but we we have to talk about it in the prologue of john it's telling you the same thing that Peter says in 2 Peter mm-hmm. chapter 1, that they didn't follow just cleverly devised tales, but were eyewitnesses to the majestic glory that is Jesus Christ. And guess what? Even heard on the holy mountain, God the Father speaking openly to them. And he Amen. says, we have a, a word more sure. 1 John says the exact same thing to, I believe, show you the importance of the message in 1 John that I think all Christians need to go reread. But nonetheless, in 1 John, it says, as Joe mentioned already, what they heard with their own ears, what they saw with their own eyes, and what they touched Touch. with their own hands. And he says, this is the message we heard from him. That Amen. Christ is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. But the whole point of it is what? What he gets to in 1 John chapter 2, which is what he describes both of these men as, I'm sorry, which is Antichrist. Yeah, That, that Jesus did not come in the flesh amen. is the spirit, of Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, that he is just and,
1: and consciousness. Folks, and, 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 amen, Chad. And, and folks, I hope you're following this, man. And I know we're kind of moving both. Chad and I are moving fast. You know, we'll slow down a little bit maybe here because we're near the end. But please understand what Chad is saying there. The Bible says he that denies that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is Antichrist. Here you have men who are pushing hallucinogens and use the name of Jesus to do it. And using the Gospels. The Bible warns about a false Gospel. Talk about a false Gospel. Talking about mocking the idea of drinking his blood when that's really not what the Scriptures actually teach. Uh, Getting away from the ultimate sacrifice that was made for our sins. This is Antichrist and it, it's very, very diabolic. It's very, very... Now I can see these are some, some top podcasters we, that we count brothers, not these guys, but guys that are critiquing them saying oh they're so close to becoming Christians and it's just going over their heads. and It breaks our hearts because I literally see People in the comment section saying, Yeah, we should, yeah, is, that's a good way to relate to non believers and so forth. This is ridiculous. Notice what he did there, Chad, too. He said this, and I think it's very important that we catch this. He said, Well, when Joe Rogan says, Well, you know, what about, was there any evidence that Jesus even existed? You know what he does? Uh, and I don't, I, I, I have a hard time believing he actually believes this. He says, Well, the first time you really see him mentioned outside of history, outside the Bible, uh, he says something like, Oh, uh, uh, he was really, you know, called a magician.
2: Do you think there really was a Jesus?
3: Well, I think it says like apparently there are references to a Jesus, but never described as um, Messiah, but as a magician who was going around healing people and stuff.
1: Really? That's interesting because when you look at the historians like Josephus, who mentions him in the first century, he doesn't say Jesus was a magician, Uh, Josephus talks about his life. He talks about the facts surrounding his life. First century Jewish historian who actually was a historian for Rome after the fall of of, uh, Jerusalem in 70 AD. Then you have Tacitus, a Roman historian, writing just after the first, just barely after the first century about Jesus. We have plenty. We have uh, them talking about how Jesus, how they worshipped him as God, right? They draw like a donkey to mock him and so forth. And this is their God. They worship Jesus. So they understood that Jesus was a real historical person. Uh, all the historians of antiquity, by the way, believe that. Uh, and, but I just noticed that he said, I thought, ooh, that's pretty tricky there, dude. Uh, he's he's a magician. He was a magician. But Chad, the first time you see him being spoken of in by historians or people of note as a magician is, uh, and I'm talking about in regard to historians now, or you talk about a critic, is Celsus. And that's 200 years after Christ. And Origen basically says of Celsus 200 years after Christ. That's that's about as long, just we've been a country a little bit longer than that. And Celsus a was a time. pagan. As he was well, a pagan, by the way. Yeah, he's a pagan. And Celsus basically just says uh, the magic he he did is uh, he used magic to do his miracles. That's what Origen quotes him as saying it's around blasphemy 200 Which is blasphemy. Story, Amen. <laughs> so it's interesting that he'll go to Celsus and say, oh, this is what they believed. No, <laughs> to get away from the historical Jesus, because he's playing into Joe Rogan's narrative, which is the mushroom Jesus, who wasn't really a man, which is a lie, you guys. So if you're thinking this is Christianity, it's nowhere close. Now, could it be that Joe Rogan and and and, and Duncan Trussell are just totally deceived, but they're not trying to deceive anybody, they're just being deceived by demons? Uh, that's possible. So pray that they get converted and come to Christ. But in the meantime, keep in mind whether they do it intentionally or not. Whether I sell you heroin, believing it's gonna bless you or kill you, it's very dangerous. Either way, they're still giving out false, they're giving out poison that's very, very deadly. And I'll say this. What about the historical Jesus? Let's take the biggest, most, the guy that's probably destroyed more people's faith than anybody else, just about, Bart Ehrman, okay? Yeah. He says he's just been an enemy of uh, of the, the the true historical Jesus for a long time. But guess what? He wrote a book, Did Jesus Exist? And one thing he says, It's really obvious Jesus really existed. And he basically lampoons anybody who would even doubt that he existed and tells atheists, his fellow atheists, don't go down that route because you look ridiculous, he says. Honestly, that's what he says. Things like that. In fact, let me quote a few quotes from Bart Ehrman. He says, and this is from his book, Did Jesus Exist? Quote, Despite the enormous range of opinion, there are several points on which virtually all scholars of antiquity agree. Jesus was a Jewish man. All scholars of, of antiquity agree. Jesus was a Jewish man known to be a preacher and a teacher who was crucified. Not just that he existed, but that he was crucified. All the scholars believe that, right? A Roman uh, form of execution in Jerusalem during the reign of Roman Emperor Tiberius when Pontius Pilate, Pilate was the governor of Judea. He says that on page 12. On page 20, he says this. It's fair to say that mythicists, like Joe Rogan would be a mythicist. Oh, he didn't really exist. You know, it was a mushroom. Mythicists as a group and as individuals are not taken seriously. And Joe, if you ever catch this, this lowly Christian podcast, you know, we love you, man. But but you're listening to other mythicists. Listen to what Ehrman says to you who doesn't like following the idea about following Jesus at all. He might say, give me the mark of beast. He might be that kind of guy, right? He says, it's fair to say that mythicists as a group and as individuals are not taken seriously by the vast majority of scholars in the field of the New Testament and early Christianity Ancient History and Theology. It says on page 96, the idea that Jesus did not exist is a modern notion. It has no ancient precedence. It was made up in the 18th century. One might as well call it a modern myth, uh, the myth of the mythical Jesus. That's the myth, that he wasn't a historical person. And I'll give one more quote. This isn't from his book, Chad, but this was from his podcast, I know in the, in the crowds you all run around with, it's commonly thought that Jesus did not exist. Let me tell you,
2: once you get outside of your conclave, there's nobody who, I mean, this is not even an issue for scholars of antiquity. It is not an issue for scholars. Of, there is no scholar in any college or university in the Western world who teaches classics, Ancient history, New Testament, early Christianity, any related field who doubts that Jesus existed. I think that atheists have done themselves a a, a disservice by jumping on the bandwagon of mythicism. Because, frankly, it makes makes you look foolish to the outside world. If that's what you're going to believe, you just look foolish.
0: I think it's so important for us to understand this, and I know... I know if Joe myself. I I know if this is a this is a subject that can get me really I uh, I guess excited one because it's like man I, I want you to know the truth I, I want them to know the truth. Hey, this is of the good fight
1: ministries, man. Yeah, <laughs> we're we are fighting. Hey, Joe, we love you, man, but we are we are spiritual grapplers, dude, and we've got the word of God, so we trump anybody who serves any demon or any entity that is a false prophet.
0: Amen. And that's exactly what these are. That's exactly what he's been reading. That's exactly what he's, he's pushed. In fact, I am sure that McKenna is how he got to John Marco Allegro. Oh, yeah. McKenna wanted to use Allegro's stuff to get into, ah, uh, it's gross, but mushroom, Eucharistic, kind yeah. of disgusting mockery of Jesus Christ. And, you know, there were other guys, and there's been guys on Joe Rogan talking about a Lester Crowley. It's okay. Yeah, it's been...
1: ultimately Satanism is what it is. That's what it, that's the what it, it
0: is the spirit of the Antichrist. And what is great though, is that for us, when we look at what the scriptures clearly teach and that we see it, this is what we're expecting. This is precisely what we are expecting God, to happen. It's prof- but it's, it's not prof- just, to be
1: fulfilled. it's not,
0: he's had Richard Dawkins on and, and, and Sam Harris and so forth. And that stuff's not going to be the appeal in all honesty. Eventually, this is where it yeah. goes, because that only gives you so much appeal until you realize, wait a second, there is a spirit out there, but instead of coming into the truth, what he wants to go to is something else, Joe. And so I want to encourage people right now that are, that are listening, there is a true Jesus. There, there, there is. It's not that there was, there is. Just like when Jesus Amen. made it very clear to them, when he was talking about the afterlife, Because the Sadducees that he was debating with, alongside debating the Pharisees, but the Sadducees specifically, didn't believe in the afterlife. They did not believe that there was a resurrection, that there was going to be not just the resurrection of Jesus, but that anyone was going to be resurrected. And so what Jesus pointed to them was literally from the book of Exodus, where he said that God, when speaking speaking to Moses, telling him who he was, that he said he... Is Not he was, but I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. Amen. And Jesus makes it clear that he is not the God of the living, or not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Because when God said that to Moses, Jacob had died long before that. Abraham had died longer even before that and so forth. But he was currently their God because they weren't just simply dead and buried and sitting in some, you know, dirt pit. But the truth was they were actually with him because God is, he's not was, he's not just only will be that he's coming, but he currently is. He is Amen. the one true God. And, Amen. and we want to turn you guys, ask you guys to turn to him right now.
1: Amen. And, and and we'll probably just close by letting you guys know, man, Jesus said in John 13, I'm sorry, Hebrews 13, 8, uh, the Bible says uh, of Jesus that he is the same yesterday, as Chad has pointed out, today and forever. In fact, they're talking about the book of Revelation. Did they miss the first chapter where it says Jesus appeared? to the apostle John, and John fell down as a dead man. And Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead and behold my life forevermore. And they missed the first chapter. It doesn't say a giant mushroom appeared abstractly as a manifestation of the Logos, you know. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, historical Jesus that appeared to him after the resurrection. And we just encourage you guys, man, to know the truth. You know, it's the irony here too is that Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell, they're both going to, if it happens in our lifetime, which it very well could, they're going to take the mark of the beast if they don't turn to Jesus. Because if they refuse to love the truth, the truth is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, not a truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. So they need to be saved so they can have the Holy Spirit and rid themselves of all the demonic entities they're opening themselves up to and embrace Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. And uh, pray for them. But guess what? If you don't know Lord Jesus Christ, as, as Chad emphasized, man, you need to know Jesus because you are in a grease pole to hell, man. I mean, you're lost. With, without salvation outside of Christ because the scriptures say in Acts four twelve, there's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved than the name of Jesus because he's the only one that paid for your sins. He's the only one that rose again and conquered uh, Satan, uh, hell, uh, death, sin, the flesh, all those things. Otherwise, you're bound to all those things. But if you turn to Jesus, Jesus said, if you come to him, he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Turn to him now from the darkness, the light of Christ. The person of the historical Jesus.
0: Amen. God bless you guys.
1: You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family
2: and consider partnering with us at patreon.com goodfight.